Hi, everyone. This is Gary, and welcome to another episode of What's Next Now? Maximizing Your Human Strengths in the Digital World. Today, joining us on the topic of transitioning from a career at IBM to defining and claiming his dreams in the music business is Andy Kushner, founder of Kushner Entertainment, which includes the Wedding Biz podcast and the Music Makers. And I got to tell you, Andy, it's crazy how long we've known each other. And the reason I'm so excited to have you on the show today is so that my listeners can enjoy just a little bit of the ride you've been on that I've been privileged to to take as a great friend of yours for 30 years. So thanks thanks for jumping on today. Yeah, sure, Gary. This is a pleasure. I'm excited to do this with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're like one of the only people I know who's kind of like doctors and, and people who grow up and, and they say, I always knew what I wanted to be. And from lots of our prior conversations, I know that music came into your life or was in you from age seven and then at 15 you had a band and you were playing in front of large crowds in Tampa. So why do you think it's music for you? Like what happened or how did music become the thing for you? If you can think back to that. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an interesting question because I remember when I was uh, around six or seven, I was in the school auditorium in first grade and they handed out these white plastic flutophones, which are kind of like recorders. And I remember, you know, they kind of explained, uh, you know, this one scale and they taught us this one really simple song. And I just, I can't explain it to this day. It's a vivid memory from being six or seven and being able to make music, to play a melody on this flutophone, it just like knocked me out. And so it was really quite a visceral thing. I, 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 I can't, I don't know how to describe it beyond just this um, a huge emotional impact. And so that's really what grabbed me from the start. Wow. Wow. And it, it just kind of grabbed you like nothing else had, and it stuck with you and, and you've ridden it from then till now for sure. Yeah, it sure has. Yeah. So if we fast forward from that period of your life into moving to college, you know, to just to just advance through everything in middle school and, and high school where you continued with music, you had bands. And now, now here we are traveling on the life of Andy and we're at college, which for some of our listeners is a recent past experience. And for others like me, it's like way, way in the background. Oh, decades, decades, decades. Prehistoric. <laughs> Prehistoric. When the dinosaurs roamed the earth back when I was in college. Practically. Almost that long. So did you think about majoring in music in college? You know, I, I, it's, I, it's so strange. I, right before college, I had, I still had this band that was a, a cover band in Tampa, Florida, and we were doing a lot of gigs. And I, my dream was to be like the band Chicago at the time, which had, oh, a wow. lot, yeah, a lot of hits. There were, it was a horn band. It was that kind of thing with singers, pop rock kind of music. And I just wanted to do that. And I, I didn't even, think much about college till the last minute when everyone else in my band uh, lost the, the, or had too much fear to really go for it. And suddenly I was faced with uh, no band. And so kind of at the last minute, I applied to college and I just, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. It's it's interesting, Gary. I didn't, I didn't even consider music as a major and I don't remember why. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I just kind of, I got into a college and then I transferred and I ended up getting a business degree um, because I ran uh, a part of a youth group, kind of a mm. subregion. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. And I was real good at it. And I thought, well, maybe this is related to business. But it's really odd. It didn't even occur to me to major in music. Cool. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Uh, 
So, so what happened to you, or should I say, <clears throat> excuse me, who happened to you at college that moved you to business from music? Or, or were there any big influences that, that caused that? Or it was just because, like you said, of, of your managing that, that business side of that youth group? Yeah, it was connected to the business side of the youth group. And then, um, but, but I, I was still thinking about music. And so I kind of got the idea as I was a, uh, a senior and had to start thinking about where would I get a first job and interview. Right. I, um, I decided that I would at least try to get into a, a, rec- a record company, a music oh. record company. Yeah. And I, I couldn't break in. I tried really hard. I couldn't break in. And, and so I, I just thought, well, computers seems to be the next big thing, right. <laughs> you know, and IBM was, was the, you know, at that time, um, biggest, you know, computer company. And so I decided, well, okay, I guess I'll get into the computer industry. And I, I think it was a cousin who was a sales rep for IBM and, and, and that's how I got the idea for selling. And so, and I, I knew that I would, you know, be in charge of my own schedule and I could really, in terms of income, there was more possibility upward if I did really well. And, and right. so that, that's what I decided to do. It's, it's odd how I, I, it just didn't seem to be a ton of thought. <laughs> it just kind yeah, of headed that direction. It just kind of went for it and yeah. it's worked out. So when you took that path, because it was a popular path to take, you saw that it would give you freedom and income. Did you have anything in the back of your mind as keeping music as a side hustle um, while you were on your career path at IBM or in the tech industry? Well, I, I, at, right at that time, I, I really didn't. And it was after I was in IBM for a few years that I started to really miss music. And so they had moved me to Washington, D.C. for my first uh, territory for selling. And so in the D.C. area, I started just kind of researching and ended up meeting, you know, various people in the music industry in the D.C. area. And, you know, long story short is that I started a band um, in, 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 in at that time there were these cover bands that did really well with weddings and corporate parties and things like that. And I had done some of that as a teenager. And so I decided, well, I will put together a band kind of with my vision and do that on the side. I, at the time I had no intention or idea that it would ever become full time, which it later did. Um, So it was more just because I missed music and, and look, it helped me, to enjoy the corporate world more because I was really getting frustrated. I didn't like uh, working for people and having people tell me what to do and having to do uh, performance reviews and things like that. I, j- I just, something about it all just was, I, I did not enjoy. Um, I like hanging out with people in, in the selling process and I like being successful and making quota numbers the years that I did. Uh, but I really missed music. And so I started this band and it, it, it really took many, many years before I thought of it as a full-time career. I can certainly relate to certain things about selling, which you enjoy, and certain things about um, kind of living in the corporate life, which are a little bit more burdensome. I, I get you on that. Did you did you have a plan when you transitioned from having music on the side, which was a joy for you and kind of helped you survive the corporate world? Did you have a plan when you began to think about transiting the corporate world into music full time or in the same way that you got into IBM and made that choice from college? Was it kind of a serendipitous or shoot from the hip choice oh, to leave IBM? No, it was the former. It was a definite, very strategic plan. I, I had been in therapy for a while, and my therapist said, 
uh, you know, I was talking, I was getting more frustrated being in the corporate world and I really wanted to do music full time. And I had started at this point, two or three bands, something like that. And so, you know, he, he also acts in a sense as a business consultant. And so we decided together eventually after I had gotten to a certain point of income with the bands and certain business acumen that uh, that it would be like a two-year plan. And and then when it came down to just one year left to go, it got very intense. So no, it was a super intentional. And, mm. and the, the goal was to not um, leave the corporate world mm-hmm. until I was making the same income with the music. That was the uh, goal. Wow. Did you make that goal? Yeah, I did. But the funny story is that uh, literally, I got, I think it was two weeks after I went full time for music. You know, I was, of course, I was excited and anxious. And just two weeks into it, one of my three or four bands just like bombed out. It was a long story. And that was a chunk of income that that just disappeared suddenly. Um, but, you know, I was motivated. And so I, I made it happen. Good for you. God, that's perseverance. You know, we talk about human strengths in the digital world. And when I think about some of your top of the list human strengths, I do think about perseverance. I think about tenacity. I think about resiliency um, and having the benefit of seeing some of the ups and downs in your journey. I know that uh, that you've had to call upon those frequently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of ups and downs. Plenty of downs. What do you... What do you think you took, if anything, from your time in the corporate world and working at IBM into being the owner of a music business, kind of an international entertainment company today? What Can you think back on any lessons that you might not have been so aware of back then, but now that you look back with a little bit of distance, you can see they've informed some of your success? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, if it weren't for IBM and eventually Lexmark, I spent eight years with IBM and then eight years with Lexmark. It was during those eight years that I was working on the band business uh, on the side. But anyway, yeah, if it weren't for that experience in the corporate world, there's no way that I could have pulled off the music because I learned so much about uh, discipline. And I would say the art of discipline and of organization. Yeah. And and also managing. I mean, I, I had, you know, in that world, there were so many managers, they would turn over often. And so I experienced something like 14, 15 different managers and therefore management styles. And, mm. you know, they would have meetings. And, you know, although I did not enjoy the performance reviews or having to present, you know, how I, how I was running my sales territory, I, didn't, I did not enjoy it. However, I learned a ton from being required to do it and the formats that they would create for us as reps, yeah, to present to them. So, you know, there, and, and then also just... Uh, I mean, I was really young. I got into IBM when I was 21, and I, I, you know, my customer base tended to be in their 30s and 40s, even their 40s, and so I had to quickly learn how to uh, communicate with older, with adults, and to connect with them and to be persuasive in a non-offensive way. And so, all of those skills really ended up doing very well for me uh, on the music side. So, I'm actually looking back, very grateful for that experience. Mm. God, that's wonderful to hear. And there's a lot of listeners who today are in that age group that you were um, many, many years ago. I think it's, oh, maybe 60, 70, 80 years ago for you now. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it, my God. (laughs) But yeah, being able to communicate non-offensively, as I think you said it, but persuasively 
to people who are outside of your age group is such a fantastic and important skill. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's great to know that you were able to bring that forward into your music business and, and into your success. Well, it also funded the, you know, the, the going for it in the music. I mean, like I say, I, I had the music on the side for eight years before I went full time. And, and there's mm -hmm. no way I could have done that without the, the, what I earned through the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great that you, so you essentially had it as a very active, productive and income earning side hustle, as it's called today, before you decided to kind of cross over the transom there and make it the full-time gig. That's right. That's right. Wow. That's, that's, there's a lot, there's a lot to that, but I'm wondering if we transition to kind of what's happening today in the world, you know, not just with COVID, but with the way that people are consuming entertainment, which is on a subscription basis and there's a migration or an evolution going on, it seems, between live events and online events and streamed events. And so what, what do you see in the future in terms of sensing points or in social media that you're observing and trying to figure out how your business will evolve? Wow. That, well, that's a really loaded question because in the event world, which is really what I'm part of, you know, the music business, my music business is a subset of the event world because mm -hmm. we play weddings and corporate parties and fundraisers and things like that. And it's all in such flux right now. I mean, they're talking about uh, when they start to open things up, allowing maybe, you know, depending on the state, maybe up to 50 people, which is just so to me, ridiculous. It's all relative, you know, with the size of the building, the airflow issues like that. But regardless of that, you know, we, we're still waiting to hear how it's going to go. And so it's going to be different for a long time. I mean, you know, my, my music business, we're, we're mostly playing for people dancing. And of course I can't imagine not only the band being close together on a stage and performing and the singers, you know, and, but also the dance floor in front of us just loaded with people sweating and, you know, right next to each other and having a great time. It, it, I don't know how that is going to come back. I think it's not going to be able to be fully back until there's a vaccine, you know, or, and so, or, or what are they going to do? Test everybody, you know, and make sure that, yeah, that everyone and have a quick result that people are negative. I mean, I mean, I think it's just, we, we just don't know the answers yet. It's, it's actually, it's kind of frightening. Uh, at the same time, there's some silver lining and, and I, I see, I don't know, it's my opinion only, but I see this trend going back to just being very uh, grounded and not, like all these concerts online that people are doing from their homes, like celebrities, and then they, they don't necessarily have a lot of makeup or their hair done and they're just mm -hmm. playing by themselves. And, and, you know, there's this vibe going on that might carry over and, but it's just hard to say. It's, yeah. it's still really hard it's to hard. know where it's going to go. Yeah. Let me take that one step further for you and pull on that string just a little bit more. And can you imagine an entertainment world where the way in which people present as attending an event is through augmented reality with something like Oculus Quest or a way that people are at events in their presence, but they're physically not at the event. Maybe they have a memento from the event with them physically, but they're joining together in the human spirit and the sense of common participation, but they're doing it through technology, through augmented reality. Are you able to imagine that at all? Does that seem way out or does that seem 
like that could happen one day. Well, it's already starting. I mean, in the event world, it, that technology is being developed and there's some maybe, I don't know, we'll call it primitive ways that it's manifesting itself, but that's it, that's absolutely where uh, a part of where it's headed. I mean, again, for me, because most of my life and career, all of it has been doing stuff in person and having that real physical, you know, dimensional kind of connection. It's hard to imagine that happening, but that I do see that that but is... Uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely something that's coming. And and we're going to be seeing concerts. Like, I mean, they're talking about Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson who have passed away and having uh, holograms and, you know, projected in, into a, a space where people, I mean, it's just wild what's going on. Yeah. It, it is crazy. Well, I got to ask you, given where you've been, what you've done, what you've innovated and how you've persevered and built. My favorite question, the question that the program is about, is this question to you, Andy, and that is, what's next now for you? <laughs> I love the title of your show, by the way. I love it. Thank you, um, brother. Yeah, well, y y in my field, again, in the event industry, and, and many of us in the world, we're having to reinvent ourselves, and, and that word pivot, you know, we're having to think about that. And so given that the, the live performance um, industry right now is just on hold. I've been building up these two podcasts that I have, The Wedding Biz and The Music Makers. And I, The Music Makers is more of a passion project, but I launched it during the pandemic um, and because and, and, I was motivated to, to really move quicker and to do something that I love while we're going through this difficult time. The Wedding Biz, I'm starting to monetize and I'm producing shows for other people and I'm thinking of other ways I can monetize because that shows way further along and I got a really good large audience for it. So as far as what's next for me, it's continuing to build the podcasts into uh, an, an income earning business. That's, that's really right in front of me, you know? So, so that's what I'm working on right now. Awesome, Andy, man. I love that you, uh, I love that you made the time to spend some time with the audience today. It's great having you on the show. It's been <laughs> a fun ride for me being, uh, being your dear and close friend for so long and seeing the journey that you've created. What I love about what you've done is you visualize it. You have immense courage to go out and get it. You take action and, and then you adjust along the way. I, I don't know if you would have thought three or four years ago that you would have these two successful podcasts and the ways that you're continuing to adjust to what's happening in the world today. So I have just a lot of respect for you in those regards. And, uh, Really appreciate you sharing it with the audience here today. Well, Gary, I mean, thank you so much for saying all of that. And I, and I, you know, it's likewise. I've known you a long time. I've seen you do the same. You're doing it with this show, uh, and I think you're doing great. I think it's a phenomenal concept, and I wish you all the success with it. Thanks so much, brother. I'll catch up with you soon. Okay. See you later. later.